You get what you tolerate. That's from Tony Robbins. This is Walking Your Talk, a personal development podcast about leadership, authenticity, and courage. I'm Carolyn Taylor, and I've spent my life working with leaders in organizations on how to change their culture. But this is much more personal. If you want to be known as someone who walks your talk at work and beyond, then this podcast is for you. Every group and every family and every team and every community and every country, every organization actually has a culture of some sort. So whenever you have a group of people who operate and meet and play and live together over some period of time, they establish patterns of behavior, which then become their sort of norm. But mostly it's unconscious and unplanned. And in this episode, what I want to do is to challenge all of us to lift us up beyond that unconscious way of being with each other. Because sadly, over time, what I've learned is that that unconsciousness tends to trend us towards bringing the worst and not the best out of us. I think what we tolerate in each other becomes our default way of being together. I mean, I can reflect, for example, on my own behavior in relation to being on my devices, which is, you know, addictive without any doubt. Whilst there's no doubt that some of my most productive and fascinating time happens online. Lots of learning, great stuff. But also for me, there is a lot of time wasting. I can feel it. You know, I skip through things and, you know, nothing's really adding any value at all to my life. Now, there are some groups where that doesn't happen at all. Certain groups I belong to, that's just not okay. So my family, for example, mealtimes have always been really precious. Most of us love to cook and we sit down together and we, we do. We look at each other in the eye and we talk. And devices are not present. And that's become an established behavior, I guess. And if one of us does slip, you know, someone else will tend to point it out. The device is down. You know, it's not, it's not sort of tolerated by us. You know, and occasionally there are moments when, you know, the NBA basketball playoffs and, you know, it does get a little bit challenging, you know, but we kind of raise it. We say, no, not really happy about that. We negotiate something. And I think the same is true with teams at work. You know, that when you have some teams I'm with, you know, there's focused eye contact and there is no device. And when I spend times with teams in organizations, some of them establish that and some of them are not. So I think you know and I know that Different groups that I'm a member of have different standards and that any group can actually lift those standards, but it does require a concentrated effort over time. And without that, I think lower standards do get tolerated and the group trends down towards this lower standard. You know, I trend down towards being on devices too much unless either I or someone else is kind of lifting me to a higher standard. So I think tolerating is actually probably the single biggest contributor to poor culture and to poor standards and to poor groups and to all the kind of unproductive, antisocial, damaging, hurtful behavior that we all know exists. 
Because I think we've all got those traits. I mean, I, I'll certainly put my hand up for these, you know. I can be selfish. I can be blaming and gossipy and defensive and lazy and disrespectful and unthoughtful and cowardly and all that stuff. I think we've all got most of those in us. These characteristics will, over time, create patterns of behavior that do damage everything the group does together. You know, productivity, morale, reputation, connection, love, ethics, customer experience, longevity. You know, if the group is a family, if it's a country, if it's an organization, if it's a sporting team, I don't think that matters. So the question for me is, do you, do I care enough about that group to step up and consciously work on these standards of behavior? Because it's absolutely doable that a group can turn itself into one that brings the best out of each other. In fact, the reason I got into the work I do in organizations originally was I suddenly realized how much time we all spend at work. And it just seemed to me such a tragedy that organizations don't bring the best out of us. And in fact, we do end up being less than who we really are because the culture kind of brings us down. But what I've found is that, you know, passionate people can actually band together and create something different. Usually, not always, but usually through the efforts of a leader. But in addition to encouraging each other and role modeling and you know, getting clear on what good behavior looks like, not tolerating poor behavior has got to be a part of the mix. So learning to be intolerant and using that as a skill to set and uphold those standards in yourself and in your group is the next pillar that I want to introduce in this series on walking your talk by shaping the behavior of others. Because I think when leaders of organizations, families, countries, communities say that they cannot be held responsible for the behavior of others in their group, I do say rubbish. I think what they're admitting to is a failure to set standards and a failure to uphold them. So how do you do that? So my experience working with leaders and teams and people on this topic is that I think the key is the willingness to have a difficult conversation, to raise difficult topics, to give difficult feedback regularly with all the emotional discomfort that that involves. I think intolerance is uncomfortable. You have to care enough about the prize to bother. Yeah, there are some skills involved in giving feedback and raising difficult issues, but most of it, I think, is intention and the willingness not to turn a blind eye. And organizations that I've had the privilege to be around who are masterful at maintaining, for example, safety standards will tell me that they never walk past an unsafe practice. Nobody does. Not just the leaders, nobody does. No matter where they sit in the organization. And that's when it becomes self-sustaining because everyone owns it. Now let's have a look at what not tolerating involves, and I want to focus on three things. The first thing is that underpinning it, it makes a great difference if there is an agreement about what standards of behavior the group intends to uphold. So that clarity, the communication, the engagement, there's a whole lot of conversations that need to take place, I think, to establish what that behavior standard is in any group. Obviously, much easier to practice if you've got a small group, because you can just sit around and talk about it, when you're talking about a larger organization, that in itself is a pretty huge undertaking. But it's much easier to practice intolerance if the rules are set beforehand. And it's easier, again, if people have actually signed up for those rules, really signed up. Because then when something does come up, 
you know, you can say, you know, remember, we agreed that, you know, we were going to speak up if things were difficult and I feel like you're not doing that or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And you've got that kind of common ground. So that's the first thing. Work on that agreement. The second thing then is, you know, you have to be observant. You do have to look out for behavior which doesn't meet standards. Now, again, in a small group, that's pretty easy because it hits you in the face. But in a larger group, you have to go looking. You know, you've got to list maybe others, committed helpers, who will help you do that. You know, you can engage your early adopters to do that, but you have to go ferreting around and think, where are those bad behaviors likely to pop up? And how do I go look for them? Or who can I use as my eyes and ears to find those out? So there is a whole skill, and one of the reasons why early adopters are so important, which we talked about in the last episode, is because you can use them for that process. So that's the second point. Get enough eyes and ears that you can see them. And the third point is just do it. Just call them out. How and when you do that depends on the circumstance. You know, sometimes it's great to do it in front of other people in a meeting or something, especially if you can use humor. You know, it doesn't have to be a big heavy duty thing. I had a great experience recently. We went on a tour for the Rugby World Cup and we had this guy called Damien Fitzpatrick who was the tour guide. He was a rugby player himself. And he had this way of establishing that he wanted everyone to be on time on the bus because he's had experience when you're on tour, you need to be on, on time, you know, everyone. Otherwise, you've got to hang around waiting for people. So he kind of made a bit of a joke of it. And, you know, he then had something he called the walk of shame, which was when the person walked around the bus and, you know, they were the last one on and everyone sort of clapped and roared and had a bit. It was sort of done as a joke. But, you know, you started to get, okay, he means it. He wants us. So within a day, he had the whole group turning up on time. It was really impressive to watch. So sometimes it's great to do it in the group. Sometimes, you know, better to do it just in a one-on-one conversation if you're, if you're playing the role of a boss, you know, performance conversation or whatever. But I think the thing is that behavior has to matter if you are talking to someone about their performance as much as their financial or any other target. Ultimately, of course, if someone is not meeting the standards over a long time, time, you might want to eject them from the group or have some other consequence. I have to say, I've actually never seen a successful building of a culture where that didn't happen somewhere along the line. If you're consistently late on the bus, as Damien told us, then the bus will leave without you and you'll either miss the excursion or you'll have to pay for your own trip to catch up with where the group is going. If you consistently don't meet those standards, you know, you miss out on your bonus or you get fired. Or if the breach is important enough, you know, you might lose your job immediately. But most not tolerating happens just on a regular basis, consistently, lightly, lovingly. And this is the part that makes all the difference. So that's the exercise for this week. Choose a behavior you're going to focus on. You see now why you don't want to have too many behaviors, because there's a lot to do just on one. Make sure that your group knows what the behavior is and why it's important. See if that's been signed up for, if that work hasn't already been done. And make sure that this group of people, whether they're your group of friends or your family or your team knows that this behavior that's important, that you've had that conversation together somewhere down the track. So then when you see it, point it out. You know, remember, we agreed that we were going to raise things if we weren't happy about something rather than talk about it behind people's back. And, you know, I saw you do that the other day. And, you know, I feel that that's not what we agreed to. And you know, it, that's, that's what I mean by pointing it out. And even if they get defensive, and people often get defensive when you say that stuff, you know, it registers. It'll be noted. 
it'll change behavior next time, even if you think it's not making any difference. And then on the occasions when you think it is right to act in public, then everyone else will have noticed too. So that makes a difference. So just keep on working on it. It's not a one-off. So that's the art of not tolerating. And it's one of those tools that you have in your toolbox for shaping behavior. And I think it's the most uncomfortable one and the one that requires the most effort. But it is critically important because if you're too tolerant, others won't see you as walking your talk. If you surround yourself with people, and I often find actually people who are very, very skillful themselves at behaving in certain ways, and then they tolerate behavior in others that really quite surprises me. And in the end, that does affect how I see that person. So even if they don't see you doing it, chances are they'll see the group doing it, and that reflects on you too. So that's why this skill is important. Thank you for listening. And next week, we'll go into the final episode on this series on shaping the behavior of others. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.